Hey there, welcome to the Snakebird Podcast. My name's Josh. And I'm Steve. Together we invite you to join us as we explore the mysteries of Scripture, the realm of God, and freedom through Christ. So spread out those wings. And slither in place. Because this is Snakebird. Hey, welcome Snakebirds to a fresh episode of the cast. In today's profile episode, we'll encounter a man with an unfortunate set of circumstances leading to an incredible story of kindness and betrayal, (laughs) and also a difficult name to pronounce. So Stephen, I have to ask, who are we profiling today? That's right, Snake Birds. Today we are going to be profiling Mephibosheth. And I've got to say, I learned how to spell his name on the old keyboard because I I, I chicken-pecked it multiple times before getting a rhythm down. Yeah. (laughs) But um, we've actually touched on this story only briefly in another profile. That would be um, David that we've Mm -hmm. done some time back. But this character, he deserves more than a brief mention. It's uh, The story's just too good. I would say yet another story that would make a fantastic action drama if a talented director got a hold of it. Yeah, for real. Great that's, story. That's what I had in my notes. Hard name to pronounce, but really cool story. <laughs> it is. It's a fantastic one. Lots of, lots of things that happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I want to just mention out there, because we're always saying it, hey, if you need good boys' names... That's right. Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth. Yeah. Is, I, is a good one. I actually have a friend who has a son named Mephibosheth. Oh, he pulled it off. Yeah. Well, they call him Bo. And okay. uh, yeah, I, I don't know if like he has to put that on his driver's license or or what. Yeah. Well, I, I would go by Bo too, I think. <laughs> I think so. Uh, <laughs> or Phoebe. Fib, yeah, Phibius Fib, right. and Ferb. Oh, there you go. I don't know why I said that. Phibius and Furbishef. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We're weird. <laughs> are you are you fibbing me right now, Phoebe? Okay. That's a, it's a unique name. Yeah. Uh, and like you said, fantastic story. Yes. So we hope y'all are ready to get into it. We should mention that there is another Mephibosheth in Scripture, uh, which would be Saul's son, uh, not our character here. However, it's kind of odd because our Mephibosheth is the son of Jonathan, who is the son of Saul. So at first, I yeah. thought that uh, maybe he he named his uh, son after his brother, uh, but I did find a few interesting things, and, and there's going to be a few surrounding his name and what it means and whatnot, but... Uh, it appears that Mephibosheth's uh, birth name might have been something else because in First Chronicles it refers to uh, this child as Merib Baal. Uh, some scholars debate what that original name actually meant, but it's been suggested by some of them that uh, the name might have been changed in the book of Samuel because of a covenant made between David and Jonathan. We'll get to that. Mm-hmm. Um, as we know, some covenants like Abraham, Abram, many others, uh, with a new covenant comes new names. I don't know if that's um, fully accurate because it wasn't in all the commentaries, but I saw that was one interesting thing. Mm. Uh, we see him mainly as Mephibosheth, though, yes. throughout. And that's what I'm going to call him because I like it better. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, it's it's quite a mouthful, but it's a lot of fun to say, and even the meaning is really interesting. It is. There's a few different uh, takes on it. Yes, yeah. Do you want me to go into that? Yeah, go for it. Okay, so... Um, the most common name meaning that I found for Mephibosheth, oh my gosh, it's such a mouthful, <laughs> is uh, 
Exterminator of shame or expeller of shame or, or um, expeller of idols. And I thought that was interesting because it's like exterminating idols. And, you know, that's kind of a neat yeah. deal. It's like it, it just, makes me think of the exterm like uh, uh, the Terminator is what yeah, it makes me think. Of. Yeah. Or wiping out idols from your life. Yeah. You know, uh, but reading in John Corson's commentary, he's like, oh, by the way, his name means shameful breath, shameful breath. <laughs> which is something my wife has told me before but right. <laughs> <laughs> breath Meshiba breath um and according to Corson he thought maybe that he had uh not only the the malady that we'll talk about but also it's possible that he had something like asthma to where he couldn't breathe very well and and that was represented in his name I huh. yeah I don't know that's there's uh there's a few different thoughts on that in there yeah there there is I mean I, I don't know. It's just sad if you grew up and your name is Shameful Breath. Shameful Breath. That would, yeah. if that was the meaning, that would be that would be a terrible tragedy. Yeah. <laughs> There's that verse in Job. I think it's Job nineteen seventeen. My breath is offensive to my wife, and I am loathsome to my own family. <laughs> what <laughs> yeah. a description! <laughs> it is. Yeah. So Shameful Breath could be worse. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the the time lands us about in 1000 BC, doesn't it, Josh? Yes. And um, I know with a lot of our profiles, there's kind of a specific place in Scripture where we just read the story and dissect it um, mm-hmm. all, all through the, the passage. And, and I guess Second uh, Samuel is going to be the closest thing to that we have. But there is some jumping around with the details. But I, I thought before we jumped into the actual story... Uh, we could set the scene. We gotta set the scene of what led up to this, yeah. because his story does uh, intertwine a lot with David, Saul's, and Jonathan's. So we we have to jump back at least a little bit to to set the scene on that. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the main places to start would be, I, I guess, the intense rivalry between Saul and David. Uh, there were it was mainly a rivalry in in the mind of Saul, mm-hmm. not David. Yeah. But they both knew that David was chosen uh, by God to be the next king. And while Saul didn't truly accept this, and it was constantly trying to kill David, Jonathan, Saul's son, was a very dear friend to David. Um, he was extremely mature in recognizing David as God's choice. Uh, obviously, if you want deeper details that come before all this, go listen to our episode on David. But to make a long story short, David had made a covenant with Jonathan before God that Jonathan would remain faithful to David, and David would remain faithful to Jonathan's household long after Saul was out of the picture. Yeah, and it was also an extremely mature move of Jonathan, because as Saul's firstborn son, he would have been the heir to the throne, and yet he recognized David's anointing, and he recognized David's call on his life uh, from the Lord. And so this this covenant that they made is really incredible. Um, fast forward just a couple of years, I think it's maybe within five, and all of a sudden Saul and his sons are fighting, and it's already been prophesied to him. And you can listen to our Weird in the Word, The Witch at Endor, um, if you want to kind of get another glimpse of this story. But the witch, as she's able to conjure up Samuel, Samuel says, oh, by the way, tomorrow you're going to die. And um, at that battle, Saul and then his son, Jonathan, and a, a couple of his other sons all get killed. And it's at this point that um, Jonathan's nursemaid 
she hears that they're dead and and she freaks out because typically in a regime like this whenever somebody dies like the king dies they come to try to wipe out all of his heirs and so she's freaking out thinking they're coming for us and she goes and she picks them up yeah, that's right. And um, in in the haste to to scramble out of dodge, she she drops young Mephibosheth, lands I guess on his feet and and injures him permanently for life from that point forward. Yeah, it's a tragic thing. Uh, that's all found in Second Samuel uh, chapter four, and it just a uh, it's a sad thing that that little boy is now forever lame. Yeah, and I I don't know if he's paralyzed because he's definitely not a quadriplegic and we don't even know if he's a paraplegic, but later on he's able to have a son. And so it's it's whatever it is, it just left him unable to walk or lame, as we would say. Yeah. So that's really the setup, um, I think, because now it carries us to the main portion of his story, which is found in 2 Samuel chapter 9. We know that um, now at this point, he'd be about 20 years old. And uh, what Mm -hmm. happens next, Stephen? Yeah, so some time has passed, and um, David's come to a point where he's settled in as king, I would say. He Mm He starts to remember... As he has been king for a while, that covenant that he had made with Jonathan back in the day, um, that he would remember his family and show them kindness. The thing is, David has no idea if there's anyone left to show kindness to after all the things that happened with mm-hmm. the, uh, the the rivalry, quote unquote, and all of that. So he calls someone up who he knows was a servant of Saul and asks the following. Now, I say knows he was a servant of Saul. I saw some that said... The, that Zeba, who we're going to be talking about here, was also David's servant. Is okay. it? Is that? Did you see that? I didn't see because I didn't see that anywhere. Okay. But I had that one that one commentator that said it. Anyway, okay. he he's wondering who there is out there, and he calls up this um, person named Zeba. We're going to see in Second Samuel nine one through five. I'll just go ahead and read that part. Oh, sure. David asked. Is there anyone still left in the house of Saul who I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake? Now there was a servant of Saul's household named Ziba. They summoned him to appear before David, and the king said to him, Are you Ziba? At your service, he replied. The king asked, Is there no one still alive from the house of Saul to whom I can show God's kindness? Ziba answered the king, There is still a son of Jonathan. He is lame in both feet. Where is he? the king asked. Ziba answered, he is at the house of Makir, son of Amil, in Lodabar. So King David had him brought from Lodabar, from the house of Makir, son of Amiel. So we're now introduced to this Zeba character who mm. is going to pop up a few more times <laughs> yeah. in the story, yeah. aren't they? Yeah, and I feel like, um, well, I don't want to spoil anything, but I, know. I have a reaction every time I hear his name. I know. So it's yeah. coming. But it's through Ziba that we're now introduced to um, an adult Mephibosheth. And when you think about it, I mean, this has been a long time to be hiding out while the sitting king is on the throne that his grandfather once mm-hmm. sat on. Yeah. And now Ziba has made it known, as we see in the next verses, um, that Mephibosheth comes before David, doesn't he, Josh? Yes. And uh, like you said, the words that you used are really fitting because it's hiding out. It does seem like he didn't know that he was going to 
have any favor in the eyes of David. And so mm-hmm. it, it doesn't even look like he has anything to his name because he's not in his own house. He's staying at the house of Makur or yeah. Makir or whatever. And uh, that place, Lodabar, it's really fascinating because if you start to look into it, um, Debar means thing. Okay. And lo means nothing. And so it's like he comes from nothing. Wow. That's or uh, yeah. nothingville. Or um, somebody called a sermon about this called Podunk to the Palace. <laughs> <laughs> and I guess just even the amount of fear that he would have and the amount of tension coming into the palace would be pretty incredible because he's like, why am I here? Am I being summoned to basically be executed? Because mm-hmm. I am in the family of Saul. And I do wonder about the um, atmosphere that he would have grown up in. He had Jonathan, who was clearly on the right side of things with David. Mm-hmm. But then he, you know he heard his grandfather in that circle of people who just trashed David. Yeah. Yeah. And so he's got this conflict going on in his head growing up as, he, as he's been hiding since, yeah. since his you know, injury. Well, yeah. And if he watched his grandfather, he saw his grandfather be like, I love David. And then three days later, be like, I want to kill him. Yeah, you know, and he saw how wishy-washy he was. And so what if he's like, what if David's, you know? Yeah, yeah. The he, only exposure to a king I've ever had was my crazy grandfather. Yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. Well, um, the next portion of it is, is verses 6 through um, 13. I don't, do we want to read all through there, Josh, or do we want to pause and uh, dissect some of that as we go. I, I think we can read it all and then come back and, and summarize it and talk about it. Cool. Would you mind reading that? I don't since, mind uh, at all. I did the last one and my throat <laughs> is still recovering. Sure. Just <laughs> forgive me for my pronunciations of... Mich- Mich- yeah, that one. <laughs> that one. <laughs> I was going to cut that, but I'll leave it because it's embarrassing. That's okay. Funny. Verse 6. When Mephibosheth, son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, came to David, he bowed down to pay him honor. David said, Mephibosheth, at your service, he replied. Don't be afraid, David said to him, for I will surely show you kindness for the sake of your father Jonathan. I will restore to you all the land that belonged to your grandfather Saul, and you will always eat at my table. Mephibosheth bowed low and said, What is your servant that you should notice a dead dog like me? Then the king summoned Ziba. Saul's steward and said to him, I have given your master's grandson everything that belonged to Saul and his family. You and your sons and your servants are to farm the land for him and bring in the crops so that your master's grandson may be provided for. And Mephibosheth, grandson of your master, will always eat at my table. Now Seba had 15 sons and 20 servants. Then Ziba said to the king, Your servant will do whatever my lord the king commands his servant to do. So Mephibosheth ate at David's table like one of the king's sons. Mephibosheth had a young son named Micah, and all the members of Ziba's household were servants of Mephibosheth. And Mephibosheth lived in Jerusalem because he always ate at the king's table, and he was lame in both feet. What a what a thing, right? Yes. Yeah, it's really... Even if the story ended here, it's really incredible because mm-hmm. there are enormous parallels to the gospel in this yeah, story. There sure are. <laughs> you know, it's like one of those when you read the book of Ruth and everybody's like, oh my gosh, the Kingsman Redeemer. And there's so many good parallels to the story of Jesus redeeming his bride mm-hmm. in that. And then like Hosea, you know, talking about go and marry the prostitute. And 
God's like, I like painting pictures using stories. And yeah. this one is one of the, I would say, the most beautiful pictures he's ever painted. No kidding. Mm-hmm. What I found fascinating was uh, Mephibosheth had been living his entire life in hiding from this king that I'm sure everyone warned him, if he ever showed his face, he's going to kill you. Yeah. All to find out that there was a covenant the whole time that was protecting him. Yes. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, I think, and like you said, there's so many parallels. Uh, In any other situation, every single possible heir of the previous king, like you mentioned earlier, would be hopelessly lost. That's just how these things work when a, a kingship is overthrown. But the lost in this situation had a previous covenant protecting them, a covenant that saved them. And just to think about that translated to us as amazing. Yes. And the fact that nothing that he could do would earn him favor with the king. Yeah. It was what was done by somebody who had already arranged the covenant for him. Mm-hmm. And so Jonathan is the type of Jesus in this where it's like, you don't have to do anything, Mephibosheth. In fact, you couldn't do anything. You're lame mm-hmm. and you got bad breath or whatever's going yeah. on. You know, <laughs> I mean, so crazy. even the fact that he acknowledges himself as a dead dog, because it's like we were dead in our trespasses. Yeah. And yet through Christ, we have been made alive and we are now joint heirs with Christ. And that verse that says, and he was treated as the king's son. He ate at David's table like one of the king's sons. All of a sudden, here he comes. He doesn't have a penny to pinch. You know, he's he's basically crashing on the couch of a friend. Mm-hmm. And the next thing you know, he's restored and, and basically brought in as royalty. It's when you mention uh, that phrase, he considered himself a dead dog. I think of which we see that phrase again later. It's a popular insult in the book. <laughs> but um, I think of the Jews and how they looked at the Gentiles back in the day. Some Jews believed that Gentiles were kindling for the fires of hell. Like they were, oh, yeah. you know, you talk about dead dog, just worthless, good for nothing. Mm-hmm. And they didn't take into account that the Gentiles had a covenant protecting them too between God and their father Abraham, who through his bloodline, all the peoples of the earth would be blessed because it's God's heart that no one should perish but come to eternal life. Mm. And so just so many, I, I think of a personal level with us and Jesus and then all the way back to Abraham with the nations of the earth. There's just so many parallels of how, how God's true heart is. It's, it's What a crazy thing. Yeah. We could just spend, I think, hours talking about the parallels and just lining it up against the gospel and getting floored about how God set this up for Mephibosheth being a stand-in for us receiving salvation by faith through Jesus. Oh, yeah. Such an awesome thing. Definitely warranted us stopping for a minute to just, you know, bathe in that that awesome (laughs) truth. Camp out, shower in it, just take in all of its glorious goodness. Because anytime you encounter a picture like that in the Old Testament that shows a New Testament principle, you just, you got to, you got to sit there and and look at it because God painted a masterpiece. Yeah, for sure. So moving on, all seems pretty fine and dandy up to this point. Um, Mephibosheth did not expect to get that response and, and what happened with him eating at the king's table is just a whole new world for him. 
But uh, as some time passes after David has welcomed him into his home, we see a lot of things unfold in David's life. Mm -hmm. Uh, Some of these events bleed over into Mephibosheth's story, don't they, Josh? They really do, yeah. You you can't eat at a king's table if the king isn't at his table. (laughs) Very true. (laughs) Yeah, some of the things that transpire are um, the tragic situation with Bathsheba. And the murder of Uriah the Hittite, um, the confrontation with the prophet Nathan to David about all of that. And then we come to a situation where David himself is hiding for his life, just like Mephibosheth was when his grandfather's kingdom was being taken over. Mm -hmm. Um, In David's situation, it's going to be his own son Absalom who has uh, slowly pulled off this plan to win the hearts of of the people of Israel and try to pull the rug out from under David's feet. And that's the next place we see uh, kind of things line up in the next part of Mephibosheth's story, isn't it, Josh? It is. And I just can't wait to use the word usurper. Usurper. Yeah, right. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. A lot of that going on. Yeah. David was getting older and he wasn't providing as much access to the people. And Absalom's like, hey, you know what? Before you take these judgments to the king, why don't you come and see me first? And like you said, he had just stolen their hearts away. And as he was stealing their hearts, he was also trying to steal the throne. And the next thing you know, he had uh, the people shouting, long live King Absalom. Yeah. It's it's going to get interesting here because those who are truly loyal to David will be separated from those who have been harboring defiant feelings for his rule after Saul, yeah. too, as well as their hearts being divided for Absalom. There's going to be a lot of div- uh, division unfolding. Yes. And instead of David directly summoning his army and going to battle, he doesn't want to fight his son. And so he decides yeah. to flee versus to fight. Yeah. And as he's gathering all these people to leave and try to get out of Jerusalem before he uh, gets murdered by Absalom, as he's going, uh, in 2 Samuel 16, we pick up the story. It says, when David had gone a short distance beyond the summit, there was Ziba, the servant of Mephibosheth, waiting to meet him. He had a string of donkeys saddled and loaded with 200 loaves of bread, 100 cakes of raisins, 100 cakes of figs, and a skin of wine. The king asked Ziba, why have you brought these? Ziba answered, the donkeys are for the king's household to ride on. The bread and fruit are for the men to eat, and the wine is to refresh those who have become exhausted in the wilderness. Then the king asked, where is your master's grandson? Ziba said to him, he is staying in Jerusalem because he thinks today the Israelites will restore to me my grandfather's kingdom. That dog. (laughs) It's terrible. Then the king said to Ziba, all that belonged to Mephibosheth is now yours. I humbly bow to you, my king, said Ziba. (laughs) I'm trying to go Jafar style. May I find favor in your eyes, my lord, the king. (laughs) That's pretty good. (laughs) (laughs) So, man backstabber that's almost worse than usurper that dirty dog man really well represented in in the tone of voice there for that that sniveling backstabber that's all i could think of was like you said a whole new world earlier and i was thinking aladdin and then i was like jafar (laughs) yeah because um one commentary that i saw said 
uh, of Zeba, he was utterly despicable. And I was like, that's a good term for him. It is. And I was thinking of when the Jewish people read the story of Esther, every time they come to the name Haman, they like do the whole like they oh, spit. Yeah. Yeah. And I was thinking every time we come up with the name Zeba in this story, I just want to go boo, you know, because yeah. he's such a he's such a gnarly person. And I do realize for those listening who are not familiar with this story, we just totally gave a spoiler alert because what he just did was a lie. He did. It, Mephibosheth uh, did not do that. We'll see that in some coming verses. But um you know, David's kind of in this state of of not thinking. David has gone through these states throughout his life when we did his profile mm-hmm. of of just kind of toss it all away, apathetic type of um, just stance that he's taken. He, he is almost like, well, it makes sense that, that Mephibosheth has turned on me just like all the others so yeah. far. Yeah. And I almost, as I was reading it, got that vibe from him as they're um, going past this summit to try to escape, getting out of Jerusalem. And uh, now Zeba sits here uh, a much wealthier person because um, all that was Mephibosheth's is now his. Yeah. By for, order for, of the king. Yeah. For the time being. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Said, and like the slander where he's yeah. like, oh, yeah, he said, you know, even though he's been eating at your table all this time, mm-hmm. he said, today my grandfather's inheritance is going to be restored to me. I mean, it's yeah. like, how could you? How How long did you harbor hatred in your heart for Mephibosheth just to to do him dirty like this. No doubt. It's uh, it shows that he had a lot of faith that that Absalom was going to win. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he doesn't. No. As we see here in these next scenes. Yeah. Yeah, I wonder if he had a plan to like go home and poison him or like yeah. literally stab him he in the He probably back. had plan B for Absalom. Just, probably. <laughs> just like he had for David. Yeah. But uh Absalom's not so lucky, is he? No. I mean, for crying out loud, the the man was riding on his was it a donkey or a steed? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> he was he was riding on his beast. So that that story you're talking about when he dies? Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah, that story is incredible because it says that the forest killed more men than the army that day because it was yeah. so thick and yeah. and he had this hair. <laughs> he did. You know, he, his hair gets stuck in a tree limb, yeah. which catches and his his beast continues on as his he's hanging <laughs> as he's hanging from the branch. Yeah. And I, in a previous verse uh, I was reading it, it made a lot of mention of how flowy and beautiful Absalom's hair was and that he cut it once a year once a year and yeah. it was this this lofty weight worth uh-huh. worth the value yeah and so he <laughs> the man had great hair mm-hmm. but yeah. he was a Pantene commercial waiting to happen in the end it would <laughs> Troy, be his hair that would be his demise Troy Palamalu is jealous of this man's <laughs> hair <laughs> well he became the first pinata ever recorded that he did <laughs> that he did <laughs> yeah <laughs> Oh my goodness. I was going to do a Napoleon reference with Pedro's, yeah, but we'll just, we'll continue the story. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so um, he, he gets stuck in this tree mm-hmm. and um, he gets, he gets slain. Uh, yeah. the, the, we haven't, and, and I can't remember the, the young man's name that, that didn't want to slay him, but was it Joab that goes over there? So 
I think first and foremost, one of them comes and goes, we found Absalom. Mm-hmm. And Job's like, well, did you kill him? And he's like, no. no. And so Job's like, go back. And, you know, and yeah. he goes back. And I think. I remember what happened to the guy that killed Saul. Yeah. You yeah. Know? That's. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I, I think Joab said that he had like three of his armor bearers, yeah. you know, do him in. Yeah, I th- yeah, I thought I saw that uh, one person took the initial. I thought it was Joab, but I guess it could have been them. But they all he he probably took did. the first blow, yeah. and then they e- either way they they went ahead and finished him off. They killed him. Yes, and killed him dead. And and David gets word of this, and he's he's destroyed by it. I mean he he is completely destroyed by the hearing of his son's death at mm-hmm. Josh. Yeah, yeah, he's he's really distraught, which actually drives uh, Joab crazy because it said that the people went home in shame versus rejoicing that this kingdom overthrow was getting um, squelched in a sense. And uh, Joab goes to confront David and he's like, why? What are you doing? You're not, you're not uh, sending a good message here to the people. And, and, you know, David's like, okay. And eventually they come back and say, we want to restore you to the throne. Yeah, it's a very confusing situation for the people around David because a lot of men lost their lives defending him against his defiant son. Mm-hmm. And the loyal people around David feel like David almost doesn't care about their loyalty or sacrifice as he's mourning for his rebellious son mm-hmm. so severely. And obviously, it's a, a father's love for a child that's that's taking him there. But um, like, like you said, after David comprehends this, he, he makes his appearance among those who stood beside him. And they, they head back towards Jerusalem where he's going to see a few uh, faces coming into that's, town. That's right. Yeah. He starts to get welcomed by either those that couldn't travel or maybe even those that betrayed him. Because yep. I think there's one where one guy's like, I'm going to go kill that dude. And he's like, no, no. He, he yeah. said what he needed to say. On their way out. Yes. And yeah. now on the way back in, I wonder if he saw that guy. Yeah. Yeah. So... That's funny. Shimei, I think his name was, because he was throwing stones and like spitting at their feet and all that. That's right. Yeah. And so, lo and behold, who does he encounter but our main character, Mephibosheth. Yeah. Yeah. Do you want me to read it? Uh, Sure. Go ahead. Okay. This is found in 2 Samuel 19, starting in verse 24. Mephibosheth, Saul's grandson, also went down to meet the king. He had not taken care of his feet nor trimmed his mustache or washed his clothes from the day the king left until the day he returned safely. When he came from Jerusalem to meet the king, the king asked him, Why didn't you go with me, Mephibosheth? He said, My lord, the king, since I, your servant, am lame, I said, I will have my donkey saddled and I will ride on it so I can go with the king. But Ziba, my servant, betrayed me. Boo. <laughs> and he has slandered your servant to my lord, the king. My lord, the king is like an angel of God. So do whatever you wish. All my grandfather's descendants deserved nothing but death from my lord, the king. But you gave your servant a place among those who eat at your table. So what right do I have to make any more appeals to the king? The king said to him, Why say more? I order you and Ziba to divide the land. Mephibosheth said to the king, Let him take everything, now that my lord the king has returned home safely. Wow. Yeah. There's a lot of interesting stuff that, right. that happens in this um, back and forth here. Uh, Mephibosheth is obviously, he's been mourning the whole time David's gone, mm-hmm. hadn't kept up with himself. 
And um, David's confused because he's like, well, the last I heard, I don't know why you're mourning. <laughs> you were rejoicing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And what happens next is what I believe to be the most mature stances that both David and Mephibosheth could possibly have. Mm-hmm. David asked Mephibosheth why he didn't go with him, and he basically says, listen, I was ready to go, but Ziba betrayed me too. And now I'm just happy you're back because I've always been loyal to you ever since you showed me that kindness, um, regardless of what my family has always thought. Mm-hmm. And David, you know, obviously says, say no more. I give the land, um, I divide it back to you with Ziba taking half. And um, Mephibosheth, he's like, just let him take it all. Yeah. I, I'm just he, – he says basically uh, my most valued possession is knowing you are my king, not mm-hmm. the land. Yes. And so these two – I do want to kind of dissect these two responses, but Josh, do you have anything to add to that? I have a quote from G. Campbell Morgan, and um, other than that, just the commentary from my own heart is like this story is just incredible Yeah. because I – do you wish something more had happened to Ziba versus him getting rewarded with all this wealth and riches? But it is what it is. I mean, mm-hmm. he's still going to have to account for his slander and, and what he said. No doubt. But I also feel like, um, what's that scripture that says, um, Martha, you are concerned with much serving, but Mary has chosen the better thing. Right. And I feel like, you know, it's the it's it's Indiana Jones in the the Last Crusade. He has chosen wisely. Yeah, you know, because he, he does not have a skeleton face. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because he the other one, he was like, so you have chosen death. You yeah. know, and uh, I mean, in this scenario, he chose to be with the king. Mm-hmm. And again, in that picture of salvation, in that picture of uh, redemption, that's the best thing, not possessions. I'll, I'll read this. G. Campbell Morgan says this. For his own enrichment, this man carried nothing at all. It was everything to him that his king should come into the possession of his kingdom in peace. It is to be feared that too often we are more concerned about our rights than about his. It is a great and glorious thing when our loyalty and love make us far more concerned about the victories of our Lord than about our own unquestioned rights. Yet that should be the normal attitude of all who sit at the king's table. Man, that's yeah, deep. Yeah, yeah, and like just the fact that he's like, I'm just worried about you and yeah. what you're doing versus I want my rights. I want you know yeah. everything that's supposed to be mine. Worried about our rights instead of his. That's mm-hmm. that's some hard hitting stuff. Yeah. Well, um, just a few things about these two responses. Uh, huge takeaway points for us today, I think, because. The responses that come from a heart like God's, uh, human logic, human justice would say, Ziba, you're going to lose all of what you swindled away and be judged for treason. But David doesn't do that. He sees that, I guess, enough blood had been shed and spilt, and forgiveness was going to bring peace. And that's the character Jesus desires. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Mm-hmm. Matthew 5, 9. And as for Mephibosheth, um, human logic, human justice would be Ziba deserves punishment for what he did to us. He needs to give it all back. But Mephibosheth doesn't do that. He has the type of heart that Jesus desires as well. Mm. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Matthew 5, 8. So I just I, I saw their, their responses, and they're so backwards from what I 
felt as I read it and yeah. what, uh, you know, you never know what you would do until you're in a situation. But to see those responses, it's extra, it shows an extreme maturity in um, somebody who's following after righteousness, I think. Yeah. Uh, desiring peace over human justice, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. So it, it was just a really uh, something for me to see in that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I was looking it up because I was reminded of a song, and I guess there's been a version of this song um, long back into the 1800s, but I've known it uh, made famous by Fernando Ortega, and then I think even uh, American Idol alum Danny Gokey (laughs) has since recorded it, but it's called uh, Give Me Jesus. And one of the last phrases of the chorus says, you can have all this world but give me Jesus. Mm. And I feel like that's what Mephibosheth is saying. Take it all. Yeah. It doesn't matter, but I want my king, yep. you know, because when I dwell with him, everything's taken care of. And and that's what it meant to live and eat at the king's table. Everything was taken care of. Yeah. And, you know, um, when you were there, you didn't have to worry about, um, like, uh, who's making breakfast? <laughs> right. You know, will lunch show up? I think we've talked about all the resources that uh, Solomon used during uh, his time. Like, I think they had to slaughter something like, I don't know, 60,000 goats a, a month to feed the, the people at his table. It was wow. an, I, I can't, I'm just, it was a lot. Yeah. I'm pulling that number off the top of my head, but it does list that in scripture and it's a ton. Mm-hmm. And so that was constantly provided. Yeah. Well, it's, it's a, a cool thing to see um, yet another parallel too of Mephibosheth being welcomed to the King's table and then it shows he has a few bumps in the road after mm-hmm. that. And then yet David comes yeah. back and he's back at the king's table. It, it, yeah. It's kind of a a look into our lives after we come to Jesus, too. There's, uh, you know, life's not all rainbows and butterflies. No. Sometimes we run into some trials and um, ultimately it's that peace of being at the yeah. king's table that reunites our hearts with joy and and all that. So. Well, and there's that parallel again where he says, all my grandfather's descendants deserved nothing but death. Mm-hmm. You know, and you look at us, we don't deserve anything but yep. death. But God in his grace extends his free gift of salvation, his free gift of mercy, his free gift of eternal life. That's it. Yeah. So, so many good uh, applications out of this passage. Yeah, it really is. And I, I don't think he, there's much more on Mephibosheth, is there, Josh? No, no. I, I think that there's one more thing where um, there was some people, I think it's the Gibeonites that come and they say, hey, by the way, Saul broke his treaty and um, we'd like to have some recompense for what he did. And so David has to surrender some of Saul's sons and Saul's family members to be executed. But it also says that he made sure that Mephibosheth was protected. Okay. And so that's, that's a pretty incredible story. That's the one other mention of him. Yeah, that's, that's pretty awesome. Yeah. Which is another gospel parallel too. Yeah. Of, yeah, he, cause he was holding on to that covenant with Jonathan that he had made. Exactly. Pretty cool. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's awesome. What well, is a great story. Fantastic. Yes, for reals. I mean, I just, 
every time I can't wait to meet Mephibosheth, especially, you know, in heaven. And he can kind of tell us his story because I'm like, well, how did Ziba like trick you? And, you know, how did you not like have somebody else there? And I mean, he, he really, yeah. like, I don't know if he like locked the door and like took away his crutches or I, I just <laughs> something crazy, you know? Yeah, no doubt. Really diabolical. Pretty, pretty jacked up. But mm-hmm. um, in the end, there was he, he got out. A lot uh, more scot-free than he should have, I think. Yeah, yeah. A lot of mercy there. Yeah, don't name your kid Ziba. No, not a good one. So that's Mephibosheth. What an interesting profile. Yeah, it was a great one. We hope you all enjoyed it as much as we did. Uh, So many fascinating, fantastic things to see throughout the story. And don't forget that you can send us in um, some ideas of yours of, of who you want us to profile next. We definitely encourage that. Yes, absolutely. And uh, we encourage any type of communication from you, the listener. And there is an easy way to do that. One of them is going to Facebook, especially if it's not down yeah. like it was uh, in the last, I don't know, yeah. couple of months. Got zucked. <laughs> Got super zucked. Yeah. <laughs> or uh, if you need to go a little bit more old school and, and send a smoke signal, go ahead and use our email, which yeah. is connect at basnakebird.com. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, that's great. Yeah. And we, uh, we love it that you you join us every week guys um if the podcast is making a difference in your life if you're learning if you're growing if you enjoy the show um do us a favor and hop on give us a a review and rating Uh, give us a few good words if you feel them um uh, truthful and it would help us push the podcast out there to more ears that would be of of great benefit to us it really helps so we appreciate y'all and we're glad that you joined us. And uh, always remember, snake birds, whatever you do, wherever you go, no matter what life throws at you, there's never been a better time to follow the words of Jesus. And be a snake bird. Ziba. No, no. I named named one of my snakes Ziba. Did you really? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Do you boo him? No, she gave me 12 great eggs. Oh. I'm sorry. (laughs) We better not. I have no idea where that's going. Yeah. Let's let's just cut that. Can I just say don't name your kid Ziba? Yep. Okay. Don't name your kid Ziba. Don't have shameful breath and be a snake snake bird. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Ha, 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 ha.